Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Amen, Lord. Come on, give God some praise. Lord. We want to thank the worship team as well. Amen. For, for blessing us with some time in worship. Amen. You may be seated. As you um, find your seat there and just sit down and get um, situated, I wanted to share a little something real quick. As Vanessa came up here, and I'm glad that she, she shared what she was sharing about our, our 5 a.m.s and then our our month of, of fasting and prayer. Maybe you're here today and you have not joined with us or maybe you're watching and you haven't joined with us. I, I kind of wanted to take a moment today and I wanted to uh, specifically address this and take time addressing this and take time building on this. And it is the reason of why we are stopping this month and purposely or intentionally um, calling this whole month a time to really seek the face of God, a time to really separate ourselves, be holy as He is holy, consecrate ourselves into a place of fasting and prayer throughout the whole month. We know that the Bible does not teach that it should be one month out of a year. We obviously know that. Um, I'm praying that we're able to build some sort of foundation that will get you going for the rest of your life. But this is part of of a believer's discipline and part of a believer's relationship with the Lord, that we are called to pray, amen? amen. And that we are called to fast. And I, I, I really hope that if you've joined us, God is doing something. And if you have not joined us and you might feel like, oh, you know, I haven't been part of anything. I might as well not do it. I'm too late. I haven't jumped in. It's never too late. You could jump in the day before we end and God could do something special in your life just that day. So, so we just want to encourage you to join us. You know, every, five a, every morning at 5 a.m., we're waking up, we're rolling out of bed, we're turning on our phones, our iPads, or our computers, our TV, whatever you decide to turn on. And we're jumping on Zoom, and it's been so special. Our 5 a.m. gatherings have been so special as we start every morning in our homes in prayer. How many of you have been blessed by our 5 a.m. <laughs> prayer gatherings? Amen? Amen? I know I have, and... Hopefully it's starting off your day well, and hopefully it's been an encouragement. And we're going to continue that tomorrow again. Tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. all the way to Friday, Monday through Friday. We're going to continue with 5 a.m. And you're like, oh, I missed the first week. Cool, come jump in the second week and be part of what God's doing um, starting tomorrow again. And Wednesday we had such a special time here. Um, I don't know if it was the same if you watched it at home. Um, but I know, I know for here it was a special time just to... Uh, worship together and to be in the word together and pray together as we prayed for certain topics. It really was a special evening. Um, and, and I just pray that you would uh, make plans and make it a priority in your own scheduling. Now, you know what? <clears throat> this Wednesday at 7.30, if there's anywhere I'm going to be, I'm going to be at Nest. And I'm going to go with an open heart and I'm going to go to truly worship the Lord in freedom. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just go with my brothers and sisters into the presence of God. And uh, so I encourage you guys to be here on Wednesday. It's going to be special. Uh, my sister actually is going to be here as well, and she's going to join us. And she's going to be bringing forth some worship for us as well. And um, I'm just so excited for it. 
and excited just to minister right alongside with her and, and just be part of her gift uh, as she pours it unto us and unto the Lord. Amen? So, so be here on Wednesday. We're going to have just a, a special, uh, special evening. How many of you could say, amen, so be it. Will I, will I, will do. Yes, I will. I will do what I say, so be it too. Amen. So this is what I would like to do today. Um, we're talking about Opportunity 2021, and, and maybe you're like, I don't know. You know, we've talked about Opportunity all throughout January and February. Here we are. We set, a, we set apart this month for a month of prayer and fasting, and I don't know if I took it on. I, I don't know if I'm taking on the right opportunity for it, or maybe you've jumped on it. Like, I don't know if I'm doing it right and all that. God knows your heart, and the Lord knows in how you entered this. And, and I believe that this month of prayer and fasting is just that. It's an opportunity that God has given us collectively together and yet privately in our own personal relationship to really get closer to the heart of God, to really align our hearts and our minds, our thoughts to the heart and to the thoughts of God. How many of you know before February came that if there was one thing that you really needed was to align your thoughts to God's thoughts, to align your ways to God's ways? I know I did. So... So I'm, I'm just really hoping and praying that, that you take on this opportunity as we talk about opportunity 2021. This whole year is about opportunity. I believe that. I believe God spoke that to this house. I believe God is speaking it to me. And what will you do with the opportunity that I'm giving you? What will you do with the doors that are opened? Will you walk through it in faith and obedience? Or will you neglect that opportunity which God's given you? And I believe that a month of prayer and fasting, I truly believe this. This is my conviction and this is my heart as a Christian. I don't believe you have to pray or fast about praying and fasting. I think if you said, I don't know, I prayed about it. And I don't think it was time for me to pray that month. I don't think we're praying to the same God. <laughs> I mean, if the church is calling for a prayer and fast, I think we're called to pray and fast and seek the Lord together. There's like, Lord, I don't know, am I supposed to be praying to you? I think I'm going to pray whether I'm supposed to be praying to him. It just, there's no way that you will defend it. And there's no way that you could be able to stand before anyone and say, well, this is why they're not praying fast with you. This is why they're not praying fast with Nest. I'm going to be like, I do not understand this. So let's come together. Let's pray. Let's fast. And let's take on opportunity as this year is a year that God could open up great doors for us to serve him in ways and in new ways like, like inventions, right? Like innovation ways, innovation, innovational ways of serving him. That we could have never imagined. So, so I just pray that you would um, be blessed by that. So if you're taking notes, guess what we're going to do today? Maybe you, you're fasting and you want to know more. Maybe you're not and you might want to start. There's different ways of fasting. Daniel fasted for 21 days and there's a famous 21-day fast. People do 40-day fast. People do one-day fast, three-day fast, seven-day fast. We've done in our church for years a week fast of seven days where we've come every single morning at 5 a.m. We fasted, just drank liquid throughout that whole week. And then on Sunday, we end it after service, and we eat like pigs that day, and many of us on Monday call in sick to work. <laughs> but we do different fasts here, and this month we decided to do the whole month of fasting. And it doesn't mean that you're not eating for the whole month. Some of you are deciding to, to mess around with that and see what it is that the Lord is calling you and how you should fast. Some of us got off social media completely. Some of us are not eating certain things and drinking certain things. Some of us are not doing certain hobbies and, and certain things that would occupy you. Some of you are fasting food for a longer period of time. Some of you are not just doing the Wednesday all-day liquid fast. Some of you are stretched when you did it differently throughout the week. Some of you are doing a 21-day Daniel fast. 
And that's a beautiful thing. God personally is doing something in you and is growing and is calling you into a fast away from our corporate fast together. Amen? But together on Wednesday, we're just drinking liquids and drinking from a straw. And we're really just staying away from solid food and really just coming at 7.30 hungry and seeking his face. And today, what I want to do is to help you, to encourage you, to strengthen you. I've done this before. I, I started to think about it and I said, I think the last time that I really stopped and taught or preached or shared anything on fasting was about some seven years ago or something like that. So, so today I'm, I'm going I'm to just take some time and just look at some scripture with you and talk about fast. And I'm going to talk specifically in our lives about a greater hunger. How many of us can pray today and we could end off in prayer with, Lord, give me a greater hunger. In the Beatitudes, Jesus' longest recorded sermon in the Sermon on the Mount, he gives a bunch of happy is the one or blessed is he. And in one of the ones he says, blessed is what? Those who hunger and thirst for what? For the things of this world. Hunger and thirst for money. Hunger and thirst for fame. Jesus was very specific and he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For righteousness is the hunger and the thirst. And, and we get so soaked in, we get so meshed with this world that we want to name for ourselves. We want to be like, like Joe next door, you know. We want, we want to gain, you know, we, 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 we want to grow in our money and we want to grow our business. And, and sometimes we get so consumed by this American picture of what success is. And we want to be popular and we want to make more money and all that. And we're losing in the most important thing. And that is what? Our growth and hunger for the things that are righteous. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness. The promise is those shall be filled. Those shall be filled. And, and I pray that that really blesses you today. When you look at scripture, there are over 70 biblical references specifically to fasting. Fasting is all over scripture. Fasting is actually biblical. Fasting is not something that someone just woke up to and says, I have a good idea. Let's just stop eating for a few days and let's see what it does. There's something that happens to you when you fast, specifically food. Have you noticed that when you go a long period Wednesday, man, that's weak, but whatever. For some of you that are just starting, good, you're getting used to it. But have you noticed that when you fast for a long period of time, a lot of things start coming out of you? You see aggression, and you see anger, and you see frustration. And I like that because I think that through the fasting process, the Lord is bringing out things that are deep within you to show you what's really inside. And some of those things don't come out and are not revealed unless you go through a process and through the time and through this discipline of fasting. How many of you have experienced that? You've gone through a fast and you've recognized, dang, I'm dirty. Man, there's things in me that need work. I have an attitude. I'm mean at times. I'm aggressive. And, and then you're like, it's just because I'm hungry. No, it's because it's in you. And your hunger is revealing it to you. Don't blame it on your hunger. Oh, it's because I'm hungry, so I'm moody. No, you're moody. And your hunger is showing it to you. Amen? So, so that's what fasting does. Fasting's biblical. I hope you could join us on our fast throughout this month. You're not late to come together and pray and seek the Lord. Maybe like, I don't even know God. I don't even know if God exists. Can I tell you this? Try God and see that he's real. The Bible says to taste and see that he is good. I challenge you that if you don't even know who God is, you don't even know the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, I challenge you today to run to him and say, show me your realness. And I promise you throughout this month, if you could just join us, 
the Lord is going to show you his face in a way that you would have never imagined. Amen? Seventy biblical references of fasting. And so many references, uh, fasting is something that cannot be at pop, cannot be, at times it's not popular because really, sometimes it's hard for us to fast and we really want to fast. We saw immediately when I said, you're going to see, if you fast on Wednesday, you're going to be asked to, someone's going to tell you they want to treat you for lunch. And, and I saw some of you <laughs> Wednesday night and like two of you already said, my gosh, you were right. I was treated for lunch on Wednesday and I had to decline it's because you want to see if it's really there, if you're really going to consecrate and set yourself up for the Lord. Uh, that, that you really want to fast, and, and fasting is seldomly practiced. It's, it's something that many, many don't do often. Fast is healthy for your body as well, and it's healthy for your spirit, man, as well. Amen? Why am I fasting? I'm hopefully you're fasting for, and you have a biblical purpose and a biblical reason why you're fasting. I know that there's a reason why I'm calling for a fast, and it's so that our church, so our heart could be drawn to him, and that his heart could be drawn to us, that we would just grow in a greater hunger and thirst, intimacy, devotion with our Lord, and that would be what moves us forward. But in my own prayer life, I have certain things that I'm specifically crying out to the Lord about, and those are things as well that I'm fasting for. And those are things, and as I'm reading Scripture and studying the Word and in prayer, I'm believing that, that the Lord is, is listening to my cry and to our cry. Amen? When we talk about fasting and as we celebrate this whole, notice, celebrate, this whole month of really setting ourselves apart to pray and seek Him, to fast, it's not something that's new to us. We've always done this since the first time we've ever, since the first day we've opened our, our doors here. We've always believed in fasting and in prayer. It's not new to us. We believe, as I said already, it's a biblical discipline. It's not a religious tradition. If you're here today and you listen to anything that we're saying and you say, oh, this fasting thing, that's just a religious thing to do. That's what you religious people do. This has nothing to do with tradition or religious tradition. It is a biblical teaching. I can't stress that enough. I, I guess the best way I could say this is as a biblical teaching, it is a biblical command to fast, to pray. This biblical discipline, it is part and should be part of a believer's life to pray and to fast. Come on, prayer and fasting is biblical. Amen? Amen. And I want to dwell on this, on this spiritual discipline today, and, and we'll see how much you're going to. Maybe next week I'll share some other stuff. And my prayer is that as we come into the Word, that we, will, that we would receive this greater hunger, a greater hunger. Uh, for God and for the things of the Lord. So here's two questions you should write down in your notes. Number one, and we'll ask more, I guess, as we go. But number one, when should you or what are reasons in why you might fast? We might fast. I guess that's like two questions in one. When should you or what are some reasons in why you should fast? And many people would, would say, well, obviously we should fast in times of special need. We should fast for guidance, for an important decision. We heard today, Charlene and Adrian during 9.30 huddle, that they had to stop what they were doing and they had to pause and they had to really consecrate their lives and really align themselves to hear from the Lord because they needed to make a certain decision. They needed God's clarity and they needed to fast and seek Him. And they shared that today in 9.30 huddle. And if you were here, you heard that. And through their fasting, she, 
she, she said and she shared an amazing testimony. And because of that, and we could give glory to the Lord as we publicly say this, they're closed and they just received a new house. And, and that's an honorable thing. It's a beautiful thing. And you might look like, oh my God, you guys are crazy. Everybody goes and gets a new house. Why do you make this thing so spiritual? Why are you so weird? Like, does it have to be spiritual? They, they close. They got a house. Good for them. M- many people do it without praying and fasting. But it was an impossible situation, it seemed like, to them. It was an impossible situation, it seemed like. It, it, it was something that, 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 that they felt, oh, I don't know if we could do this. I don't know if we're able to do this. Oh, we don't know what direction. They fasted. They seek the Lord's face. And immediately the Lord gave them what? Entrance, access to what they needed to do. It's a beautiful thing. So why should we fast? Maybe, maybe it's because of that. It's an important decision needs to be made. A special need. Or maybe it's an intense spiritual longing that prompts us, that pushes us to enter into a fast or into a month of prayer. Christians are free to experience the, this blessing of, of coming and just fasting as often as we desire. You don't have to wait. You know this, right? And I'm glad that they said this during 930 Huddle. Don't wait maybe for next year when we do a togetherness fast again, a corporate collective fast again, to fast. Feel free to fast often in your life and praise without ceasing every day in your life. Amen. So how long should you fast for? I shared a little bit about this. It gives us examples of the Bible of fast lasting from one day to 40 days. And, and uh, obviously, if you're going to take a long fast, a 21-day specific fast, a 40-day fast, and you're going to be fasting certain foods or a lot of food or food in total, you, you need to be careful. And we always recommend to, if you have medical conditions, to talk to one of us. We could kind of draw you and what you should do. You should see a doctor, a medical counsel, all these different things. But, but nothing, medically, nothing in your life should ever take away or, or give excuses of the importance of fasting, of praying, the discipline in your life to fast. Oh, well, I'm sick. Well, good. Maybe you should fast. No, because I'm sick, I should not fast. Maybe because you're sick, you should fast. Be very careful in this month that you're giving excuses to the Lord that maybe are not really good things to present to Him. You know, God knows, like I said, the Lord knows my heart and He knows your heart. Amen? I want to share a quote um, from William Thrasher. He says, The abstinence is not to be an end in itself, but rather for the purpose of being separated to the Lord and to consecrate ungodliness. This kind of fasting reduces the influence of our self-will and invites the Holy Spirit to do a more intense work in us. I want to jump into a scripture, and, and I hope that quote blesses you. What is the intense work that the Lord wants to do in us? As we jump into scripture, I want to look at a, a, a story of, 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 of something that happened. And it's found in Acts chapter 13, if you could just turn there for a moment. In Acts 13, we have a, a, a beautiful example, and I've shared this here before. Uh, maybe within the last seven years, obviously, but for sure I shared this um, about seven, eight years ago when we were about to jump into a, I believe it was like a two-week fast that we did, or I don't remember, my memory doesn't serve well in that. But in Acts chapter 13, we see 
this fast, a collective fast that the church comes together. It's what we would call maybe a corporate fast, a, a fast where we all agree upon and say we're going to fast for something certain, for something together. And, and we see how this early church, not, not only did they just fast, they prayed and they worshipped. And because of their prayer and because of their fasting, I want you to see how the course of history changed. Did you just hear what I said? The course of history changed. Like, this is not lightly said. A whole dynamics just shifted. And, and I started to think about that and I said, man, can you imagine the course of history of, of our family changing because of a current fast? The course of history of your marriage changes because of your fast. The course of history of your business changes because of your fast. The, the course of history for the church changes because you decided upon this fast. Think about what that means to you. As we read chapter 13 of the book of Acts. Are you there? Amen? Let's go to verse 1. Come with me here for a moment. It says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who were called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, <clears throat> and Saul. I love that, that. He was one in the faith and he was one in the body of believers who actually grew up with Herod. And now he was a Christian. And he's serving God alongside God's people. One who was from the same hood as Herod. One who grew up with Herod is now in this place where he's doing the ministry of the Lord with the people of the Lord. Amen? Verse 2 says, as they ministered to the Lord, everyone say ministered. How many of us come to church and we ask the Lord to minister to us? Oh Lord, I'm here, minister to me. And these people come together and the scripture says they ministered to the Lord. What, what, a, what, a beautiful, what a beautiful word that is. That we're not just people that the Lord ministers to, but that we are a people that also minister to the Lord. And look what it says. As they ministered to the Lord and they fasted, the Holy Spirit said. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So, so as they're praying and as they're fasting and together as they're seeking the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks to this body of believers. And what does the Holy Spirit begin to do? It starts to give them direction in what is next in their family. What do we do, God? Maybe that was a deep part of their prayer. Maybe they were growing rapidly and they didn't know what to do next. Maybe they needed more leaders to rise up and they didn't know who to call to be the next leaders. And as they were praying and ministering unto the Lord, the Lord honored that gathering. I want you to understand that when the Holy Spirit speaks over a gathering like this, when the Holy Spirit speaks over a family, there is an honor of heaven over earth. That he's able to say, I like what they're doing. I'm in agreement with their, what they're doing. I'm going to speak into what they're doing. And the Holy Spirit says to them. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit says, set apart these two individuals. Barnabas and Saul. He doesn't give them confusion. He doesn't say, oh my God, you said two individuals, but you weren't sure who. He specifically gave them the names. 
I say that's a good prophecy, a prophecy that's not confusing. When we live in a world where so many prophets have confused the heck out of Christians. And here is a prophetic word from the Holy Spirit. Paul, I'm sorry, Paul and Barnabas, lift them up. They're going to be the ones. Anoint them, consecrate them, separate them for the work which I am calling them to do. This is beautiful. So verse 3 says, Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. I love this. Having fasted and prayed and they laid hands on them. The leadership of the church, they fasted, they prayed, they laid hands. And they sent them on their way. And verse 4 says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. What, what an amazing passage. What, what, a, what a beautiful details we see in this scripture. Here's a group of, of, of faith-based, a group of believers, people that are hungry and have a greater hunger arising in them, and they're fasting, and they're praying, and they're willing to send out their beloved brethren to do the work of the Lord. And what we see here in the early church in Antioch, we see fasting. And what is it that's causing this group to fast I, in Antioch? And, and I could really say, as you just read four verses, I don't know if you catch it, but there was a hunger in the hearts, in the, in the, in the depths of these people. They were hungry for God's leading in their lives. How many of you are truly, during this moment of our lifetime, are you really hungry, hungry for the leading of God in your life? hungry hungry I think the best thing that we should do we should have done as a nation right that would have been so cool is someone to stand up and say this nation is sick physically spiritually Disease, lawfully everything. Can you imagine that? May the United States of America come together and consecrate the beginning of the year throughout a time of prayer and fasting and seek from the face of Yahweh and see what the Lord would lead his people to do as our country is falling into shambles. Can you imagine if a church does that? And says, maybe the world around us is not doing it. But if we could just come together because we're hungry for the leading of God. And let's see what God does and speaks into our family. What can happen? Amen? The situation is this in Acts 13. Is that Paul and Barnabas and some of the other leaders in the church in Antioch. They're worshiping. They're ministering. I love that. I love that they're ministering to the Lord and they're fasting, verse 2 says. They're worshiping, they're ministering, and they're fasting to the Lord. And I started to think about Acts 13 and I say, you know, I truly believe that something drove them to fast. I believe they were seeking on, on specifically this, what I'm talking about. What, what do we do next? What do we do next? Perfect example was 9.30 Hodo. What, what do we do now? What do we do next? What do we do next as a family? What do I do next 
As a father, what do I do next as a leader? What do we do next? And I believe they were seeking on, on that. Where do we go from here? And specifically in Acts 13, they were crying out, where do we go from here as a church? You have to remember in Acts 13, it wasn't just about rising leaders. It was also about leading during a time of heavy persecution. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from this place of persecution and serving the Lord? And what direction, what steps do we take? And all I can say is let's ask ourselves the same question. Where do we go from here? We started 2021 here in February with a time of really just separating ourselves and challenging you. Come on, wake up early. Every, what I owe oh, to bed at late. Well, wake up early. Who cares? Lose some sleep this month and pray with us and fast with us. Get hungry a little bit. I'm challenging you. Where are you going to go from here together as a church, together as a people, together as family? And if we're okay with just living the way today looks and there's no longing, then, then really we're in great danger. But we should want to be together and we should want to fight together and we should want to make war together and we should want to cry and confess things to each other. We should want to really grow in these things together. And that's what this church was doing. Where do we go from here? And as a church, I believe that we need to do the same, right? Lord, let us hunger for your leading. As families, Lord, let us hunger for your leading. In, in every aspect of who we are, maybe you're married. Lord, in my marriage, you have a family. Lord, decisions over my children. Where do I go? How, lead me through these heaviness, through the heaviness of what I'm feeling. Lord, in, in whatever it is, in my stewardship, in my career, in my ministry, Lord, I'm hungry for your leading in all these areas of my life. There are th How many of you are in a place where a decision needs to be made and it's totally out of your control? <laughs> this is a great opportunity to say, Lord, I need direction in something I have no control over. So I'm consecrating and I'm separating myself because there's nothing that I could do that could change the outcome. But there's one thing that I could be responsible and obedient to and that is to set myself apart to seek for your direction. And the way that I'm going to do it is not just through a morning two-minute devotional, but it's through days of hardcore fasting and prayer and seeking you in worship to see how you will lead me going forward. Not a casualness. Now let me do a Rolodex of the Bible to see what I should read today. And I read a little passage and I've clicked it. No, it's to really just get into the presence of the Lord and say, how will you direct us? How will you direct me? Because there's so many things that I would like to do. There's so many things that I would like to say. There's so many ways that I would like to do. But Lord, if none of that is of you, keep me quiet. Direct me in the way I should go. I need to make decisions and the decisions that I need to make need to be according to your heart and according to your mind. Lead us, Lord, in those ways. Come on, how many of you need to jump into prayer and fasting? How many of you guys are getting a different understanding of why we're doing this now this month? That we would seek the leading of the Holy Spirit as they did in the direction for their mission. That's what they did. They had a mission. How many of you left your mission or do you feel like your mission has been dropped and you're like seriously just ask yourself this how, ma how have many of you said i don't know if i have a mission 
lately what I do, and if you've been married lately in the last few years and you've gone through the classes with us here, there's something that I do with every couple that's about to get married. And I say, I want you to write out your mission statement. How, how many, is there a couple here that remembers their mission statement that I gave them? You know, is there a couple in here that remembers it? No one remembers it? All right. And we say, and normally what I, when I do a class with a new couple, I give them a homework assignment. I say, now go up to this person and ask them what their mission statement is. And, and I do this. I say, I want you to look at them when they tell you, and I want you to see whether they're really living up to their mission statement. Because what you're doing is you're holding them accountable. When you say, hey, I heard Pastor gave you a mission statement for your marriage. What is it? They have to now say it to you. And what if they're not living that mission statement? When they say it, they're going to recognize, oh, man, why did, why did he tell them to do that? But it also gives them a reminder of what they and their spouse agreed to set their lives upon. And it also helps the other couple to recognize, wow, you know what? I have seen that in your life. What a blessing that is. Here's our mission statement. And it's a good place to start. And how many of you, maybe that's not just in marriage, but how many of you know that the Lord has seared a mission in your heart? The Lord has put a desire for the things of his kingdom in your heart. But how many of you feel like that mission has kind of just dwindled a little bit? Has kind of just like fallen short a little bit? And today you're entering this place and you're like, no, no, I need direction. And I need a fire to light up my mission again. Amen? I like this quote. I don't know if I, if, if I read this a while back and, and uh, it just blessed my heart and I remembered it and I wanted to share it again with you. I don't know exactly who said it. And it says, they were hungry enough for God's leading that they wanted to say it with the hunger of their bodies and not just the hunger of their hearts. Can you imagine that? And I would like that to just soak in, that they were hungry enough to be led by God, that they wanted to say it with the hunger of their bodies. Lord, this is, I'm hungry, Lord, and I'm seeking the things of you. We want your leading, O oh God. Oh, Holy Spirit, what is your will for the mission of my life, for the mission of our nest, for the mission of that family? And knowing that this will transform us to live, Lord, in your will for the mission of our very own personal lives. Do that work in us. Amen? I'm going to share something that Hudson Taylor <clears throat> says. And, and um, as he was a missionary to China, and he surrendered his life to share the gospel and to raise up Christians and leaders in China, look what he says. He says, In Shanxi, I found Chinese Christians who were accustomed to spend time in fasting and prayer. They recognized that this fasting which which so many dislike, which requires faith in God, since it makes one feel weak and poorly, is really a divinely appointed means of grace. Perhaps the greatest hindrance to our work is our own imagined strength, and in fasting we learn what poor, weak creatures we are dependent on a meal of meat for the little strength which we are so apt to lean upon. Love that. How many of you can recognize through a time of this month, man, how weak I really am and the strength that really needs to overcome me? In Acts chapter 13, 1 through 4, what, what do we write? Write this down. What do we see? Number one, 
what do we see in Acts 13? They fasted as a group. They fasted together. Write that down. They fasted as a group together. They fasted together. The fasting was done by a group together. Another concern with fasting is that Jesus warned against fasting to be seen by men. We know that scripture. Oh, I don't know when I fast. I don't know if I should tell people. Matthew 6, 17 and 18 says, Your father who sees in secret will reward you. And we know the scripture in Matthew, but Saul and Barnabas do not take Jesus to mean that group fasting is evil. When we fast together, it's okay. We're fasting together. We're coming on Wednesday nights and we're seeking the Lord together. We're praying together at 5 a.m. It's not for show. But they knew that this fasting, this group fasting, was not evil. Even though people often know you're fasting when you're doing it as part of a group, as, when the, as we call it, for example, as a church-wide fast. But the church leaders at Antioch take Jesus to mean not that we sin if someone knows that we're fasting. Listen to this. But that we sin if our motive is to be known for our fasting so that men could applaud us. And that's the difference. We're fasting not so that others can see. We're fasting so that we ourselves can see. Group fasting has marked God's people all throughout biblical and post-biblical history. We, we see that fasting's always been part of the people of God. They fasted as a group together, and that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing this whole month. We're seeking the Lord. We're fasting. We're praying together with the same goal in mind. Lord, I want to hunger for you. I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness and for your leading. Number one, they came together and they fasted. Amen. Number two, they fasted as an occasion for the Spirit's special guidance, for his leading. They fasted for the Holy Spirit's leading. The fasting proved to be an occasion for that specific thing right there, that the Holy Spirit would guide them, a special guidance from heaven, a special guidance from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read verse 2 one more time. It says, and while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas, Saul, for the work of which I've called them. Verse 3, then when they fasted and prayed, again, emphasizing they fasted and prayed they laid hands and they sent them their way when, when you read these verses when you when you report it in this way what is luke as he's writing these scriptures he clearly wants us to see a connection in these in this passage between worship and prayer and fasting on, on one hand, and then also the guidance of the Holy Spirit on the other. These people fasted and worshipped and prayed, and God came through. The Holy Spirit led them. Notice the connection of the church praying, fasting, and worshipping, and the Lord's blessedness and faithfulness in what? Addressing their need. Man, that's deep. That the Lord would address my need. That the Lord would, would not fall short. He's good. He's faithful to guide me and lead me. And to give me direction. How many of you can say amen? Number three, fasting changed the course of history. Again, number one, they fasted together, right? As a group, together. Number two, they fasted for the Holy Spirit's leading, for his special guidance. And number three, they fasted. And fasting, it changed their history. The course, actually, of history. I want to make sure you understand what's happening in Acts 13. This fasting changed what was going to happen in the church, and specifically using Paul and Barnabas. 
It's impossible to overstate the importance of this history, of this historical moment. You might look at it as a bunch of Christians got together in a house and the Holy Spirit spoke through them. But what you don't know is we're still seeing the evidence of the decision that was made in Acts 13 being lived out today. Even though it was a little house maybe that they were praying at. It's almost like saying the decision that you make today could show evidence in your great-great-grandchildren. Whatever you decide today to, to plant in the ground, the fruit of that, you will never be able to eat it. But maybe your children's children are going to eat it. And what will the fruit of that which you're planting today taste like? Think about this for a moment. It changed the course of history. And it was, it, it's historically important that this moment in Antioch, not just for Antioch, but listen to this, for the history of the world. Does anyone know what happened? See, before the word from the Holy Spirit came out, there was no organized, best way of saying it, there was no organized mission of the church. There was no organized mission of the church beyond this area, what we would call the eastern sea coast of the Mediterranean. They, they didn't know what to do. Outside of this little area, there was no missional vision. Outside of this Mediterranean eastern sea coast area, there was no beyond that for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But before this, Paul, you think about Paul, and you think of Paul, this apostle who, who planted churches, who traveled this eastern part of the world. But before Acts 13, Paul had made, you should write this down, no missionary journeys. Westward, none to Asia Minor, to Greece, to Rome, to Spain. None of those areas were touched. Before this, Paul, listen, had not written any of his letters, which were all the results of his missionary travels, beginning there. No letters were written. None of these places were visited. This moment of prayer and fasting resulted in a missions movement that would make Christianity the dominant faith, belief, growth, you want to call it religion, of even the Roman Empire within two and a half centuries and would yield 1.3 billion believers of Christians in this faith today with, with Christian witness in every country of the world. If it did not happen in Acts 13, would it still be alive today here in Western America? Think about this. The decision that was made in that house in Acts 13 was the movement that eventually brought the gospel to reach the ends of the earth. Before Acts 13, there was no statement, there was no, there was no journey, there was no letters written to the churches. It was all what the Holy Spirit was going to do and lead and direct them from Acts 13 forward. And right then and there we saw, boom, an explosion in the church happened. And churches began to be planted, our New Testament began to be written, and the gospel of Jesus was going to begin to reach the four corners of the world. But it needed a group of faithful, obedient believers that were going to come together and fast and pray and worship and minister to the Lord for the Holy Spirit's guidance. And little did they know that some 2,000 plus years ago, there was a group of individuals that are still, what, reading and applying that which happened to them in their house as they ministered unto the Lord. Can you imagine them in heaven? Saying, whoa, look at the decision that we made, how it's still producing much fruit today. 
Look how the Holy Spirit led us in the living room and how it's still doing a mighty work today. 13 out of the 29 books of the New Testament were the result of the ministry that was launched in this movement of prayer and fasting. (laughs) 13 out of 29. If it wasn't for that group that decided to consecrate themselves, can you imagine what could come out of you if you just decide to consecrate yourself? So I think it is fair to say that God was pleased to make worship and prayer and fasting, listen, the launching pad for a mission that would change the course of world history. Is there no lesson there for us today? The Lord says, I'm going to start my church. Watch this. How did it start, Lord? How did they raise up money? How did they raise funds? How did they, how did they do their interest meetings, Lord? How, how did they prepare it, Lord? How, how did they get the communities around them to kind of, the Lord's like, they did it through prayer and fasting and worship. And from there, I launched a great movement of God. You mean to tell me that they were just obedient to seek me and I was obedient to bless them. I was faithful to bless them. Man, it's moving. It happened before and it would happen again and it happens again and it would happen again in history. And as we read this, you should want it to be part of your history. That you'll be able to look back and say, look what the Lord has done. It happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. For example, in 2 Chronicles 20, I'm going to share this passage and then I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll close up. In 2 Chronicles 20, the Moabites, the Ammonites, forgive me, the Meonites, all these ites, they came against Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. It was a terrifying multitude. It was a, it was a terrifying group of, of violent people that rose up. What could the people do? What direction should they turn to? There's these groups of individuals, they're going to rise up against Judah. And listen to this. Jehoshaphat as a leader, it had to come from him to make the decision of what they were going to do. They were going to be destroyed. I'm telling you right now, church, they were going to be destroyed. But not if God had a say in it. Not if God had a say. In Second Chronicles 20, chapter 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was afraid And he turned his attention to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together to to seek help from the Lord. Did you see that? And they came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. I would say that's good. I would say they made the right decision. So there was a great nationwide fast in verse 3 and 4. Specifically for what? For divine guidance. Divine guidance, and not only guidance, please listen to this, for deliverance. (laughs) In the midst of this fasting assembly, the Lord was going to deliver them and guide them. I love what verse 13 says. I I just wrote this down. not going to get too into it, but listen to this just for the fun of it. Now all Judah, listen to this, with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. I'm going to pause there for a moment and Make sure that it's not just you and your wife or you by yourself standing before the Lord. Make sure that you don't forget to grab the little ones and let them stand before the Lord with you. You know that whole thing about like, I don't know if I can go to church because my, let the kids be loud. Let the kids come and hear the word of God with you. 
Let the kids see you worship. Let that, why? You better make sure that you grab your little kids and stand before the Lord with your children. The early church didn't have children. We have children's ministry and it's open today, amen. But the early church didn't have it. The children were part of the movement of God. If the early church was speaking in tongues, the children were there speaking in tongues with them. <laughs> I feel it. Daddy, I'm in it. But you're only five years old, I know. But I'm, I'm in this thing. I'm, I'm seeing visions and dreams. When the little children ran to Jesus, the disciples said, hey, this is not for you. This is for the adults. And Jesus says, don't you ever neglect children from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven is made of such. We better make sure that the kids are standing with us before the Lord. Amen? If not, the next generation is lost. You know who's teaching them? Their education system, which is sick and perverse. And our education system should not teach what we're called to teach biblically to our kids. Better stand before the presence of the Lord with our children. Amen? All right, I didn't really want to get into that. Verse 14 and 15, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord came to Jehaziel, and he said, Listen, all Judah, verse 14 and 15, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, verse 15, thus says the Lord. You saw that? They fasted, they prayed, they, seek, they sought him, and thus says the Lord. Exactly what happened in Acts 13 is happening in the Old Testament, in Second Chronicles 20. And what does the Lord say? Do not fear. Do not be dismayed because of the great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Amen. The next day, the people of Judah, they went out. I'm, I'm going to end in a moment here. I need you to please listen to this. And as they went out, the people of Judah, they found that the people of Moab, Ammon, all the enemies that were encamped to kill them, listen to this, they had destroyed one another. And it took them three days to gather all the spoil. There was so much. What looked like defeat and calamity overnight was turned into stunning triumph. Again, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm not talking about Acts 13 right now. Again, the course of history was changed through the fasting and praying of God's people. Can I just read to you exactly what happened? I wasn't going to read it for the sake of time, but I'm going to read it fast. Ready? Verse 20. 2 Chronicles 20, 20. So they rose early in the morning. They went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he anointed those who would sing, should sing, brought worship. <laughs> who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the, army of, uh, before the army and they were saying, they were singing, they were ministering. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Verse 22, now when they began to sing and to praise, everyone say that. When they began to sing and to praise, one more time. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Verse 23, For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of all the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. <laughs> and the Lord says, I got it. I deliver and I lead you in where you should go. And your enemies, which seem to be too much, watch how I humble them before your presence. All right, 
Now I'm really closing. This happened as well in Britain. In 1756, John Wesley tells us in his journal of a similar kind of deliverance. 1756, the king of Britain called for a day of solemn prayer and fasting because of a threatened invasion of the French. And listen to what Wesley, John Wesley writes in his journal. Ready? The fast day was a glorious day, such as London had scarce seen since the Restoration. Every church in the city was more than full, and a solemn seriousness sat on every face. Surely God heareth prayer, and there will yet be a lengthening of our tranquility. Then in a footnote, he added later, Humility has turned into national rejoicing, for the threatened invasion by the French was averted. It would not be difficult to just multiply and speak of story after story after story from the Bible and even those post-biblical writings to show that fasting and prayer has changed the course of history. Fasting, praying, worshiping is connected into times of great revival. How many of you are praying for a great revival without fasting? How many of us are praying for a great revival without truly praying? How many of us are praying for a great revival without truly ministering unto the Lord? Come on, Nest, everyone here, everyone watching, open your hearts during this month. If you have not joined us, it's not too late. Start now. Join in with the rest of us to do this. For some of you, it's your first time doing anything this crazy. Let's do it. Maybe the Lord will give us a command to march around somewhere seven times. Maybe the Lord will call us to blow trumpets and, and blow the trumpet somewhere. I don't know what the Lord is going to do throughout this month. But are we ready to be obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit directs us in? I have a lot of thoughts and crazy things that I want to do. But I just want to make sure they're of God. Amen? Open your hearts during this month. Don't be scared. If you have questions, don't be scared. Ask them. Ask them. I believe that God has answers for you. Amen? Some of you are like, this is such a perfect time. I was such in desperate need for a fast, for a prayer, for a month dedicated to purposely seek Him. Amen? You're praying and you're fasting and you're worshiping for hunger, for a deeper hunger, for a greater hunger. And we're helping each other throughout this month. We're lifting each other up. I'm going to say something to Yoslan. And I want to just bless him today with this. But he shared something on Friday in our 5 a.m. prayer. And I don't know, he probably just prayed it. And I think he prayed it from a serious depth of his heart. But he shared something that was very um, transparent and intimate. And it blessed me. Because I saw a humility there. And I saw a beautiful thing that was said from Yoslan where he talked about something that he always considered to be timid and to have low self-esteem about. And now he said, now I'm going to use it. I don't care anymore. I'm going to be bold. And I'm going to begin to speak up. And I'm going to use this for God in my life. And when he said that, he probably just said it. But when Yoslang said that in that prayer, it really ministered to me. Because what he doesn't know is there's also insecurities in me. That I needed to hear that in that moment. And that the Lord says, what are you going to do? You saw what he did. What are you going to do with those things? Are you going to minister to me with them? 
And I bless my brother Yoslan for, for sharing that because I'm sure it took him a lot of time to, to open up about that. But I want him to know that that wasn't just a very casual prayer. That wasn't something that was taken lightly. I want him to know that when he prayed that, that also erupted something in many people's spirits. And it might have felt like it was just a casual sentence. But what it was, it was a bomb that blew up in the hearts of many. And I appreciate his sincerity, his humility. And I like that because I said, that's exactly why we're doing 5 a.m. That's exactly why the family's coming together. We're helping each other. We're lifting each other up. We're crying together. We're rejoicing together. And I believe that this is also going to bring great growth together. If you're being part, if you're making yourself part of it. Amen? The question I could ask you as I close is this. The band could come up and maybe bless us with something there. But it's, are you hungry for God? You need to answer that. You need to answer that to yourself. Are you hungry for God? Are you, hang- are you hungry for God? Or are you hangry before God? I want to give you one more quote. I feel like we have enough time for that. Can I share one more quote with you? I think I've shared this here before. John Piper says this. Do you have a hunger for God? If we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because we have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Our soul is stuffed with small things. And there is no room for the great. If we are full of what the world offers, then perhaps a fast might express or even increase our soul's appetite for God. Between the dangers of self-denial and self-indulgence is the path of pleasant pain called fasting. Hallelujah. Those words can speak for themselves, that's for sure. If you want to stand with me, you're more than welcome to stand with me. I'm going to ask um, Carlos to come up here. I'm going to ask Senior to come up here. Someone could find Senior. Hallelujah. I want to just pray and seek the Lord and I want to pray over Carlos and before the church and we want to lay hands on him we want to anoint him with oil and we would love for all of you as we do that in a moment to stretch out your hands and to lift them up in prayer as a family does amen Bible speaks about in scriptures that when one is sick, you call the elders and you lay hands. And today we're going to just pray for deep things that Carlos is praying for. And together as a church, we're going to, we're going to pray with him and pray that the Lord aligns and heals what needs to be healed. Align things that need to be aligned. And that God, only what God can do what only God can do and do the great miracles in Carlos' heart.
and his spirit that will transform him. And as we pray for him, and as we enter a place of worship, this is what I would like to do. If you're here today and you just need prayer, we haven't done this actually for a while. I heard a pastor say this, and it broke my heart because it's nothing about what any of us have, it's what God can do. He says, if you go to a church that does an altar call, you need to leave that church right away. It broke my heart that he would say something like that. So many Christians are listening to this pastor. And he just discouraged so many people that the altar call is beautiful. Not because we're mystically saying that there's something here, but because we could come together in prayer and pray, lay hands, and pray for specific things in your life. To just cancel that out of the church was a very harsh and very strong thing to say. I get it. In scripture, we don't see the word altar call and see proper teachings of altar calls and all these things. The church has done a job in what we've created and brought these things forth to really minister to the needs of people. Because we do see a laying on of hands and we do see praying over the leadership and, and none of that has changed from the New Testament till today. So if we want to call it something else than altar call, that's fine, but But we believe that we're two or more gathered there in faith, that God could do great things. His Spirit is here. Amen? Amen. And I just want to spend a moment in worship as your hearts just draw near to the Lord. If you need prayer today, maybe you're feeling sick. Maybe, maybe you haven't started with us this month and you want to make a declaration today. You want to come up to the front and you want us to pray with you. I invite you to come up and if you want to get on your knees, get on your knees. But just separate yourself away from all things and just come before the presence of the Lord and let's cry out to Him. Let's ask, let's ask God to do a great work and a great miracle in, our, in your life and in our lives. And that his word would speak deeply into the places of our lives. That Holy Spirit, that you would give direction so clear in our lives. Come on, can you begin to worship the Lord and can you begin to praise him? If you're home, maybe right there where you're standing, just worship him. Maybe stretch out your hands over the, to the screen. Maybe get on your knees right there. But just have this time before for the Lord and if you, if you want to come up the altar is open your brothers and sisters we're going to pray for you we're going to cry out with you we're going to come in agreement with some of these things that you need come on let's come before the Lord let's seek him today